0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Nickish Show. This is the first time we're actually live on Sportcaster. If you haven't checked out Sportcaster, check it out today. This is a live stream by Nickish Show. Uh, also, check us out on Instagram, Twitter at Nickish Show um and check us out on spotify and itunes and soundcloud and there's only one major reason that we're here today and that was because there was bombshell news dropped by Wosh who came out of his own <laughs> version of suspension as- I'm out of
1: hiding yeah right <laughs> Tom
0: thibodeau what is now right now final talks on finalizing his contract to be the next head coach of the new york knicks but before we get into that how you how you doing man not
1: how's, bad bro how's going? yeah um Good as we can during quarantine and stuff but uh aside from all that i mean nicks uh that nicks news hit the timeline today on twitter so we got our that much needed dose of like dopamine we've been missing you know what i mean just like uh-huh. back like last summer you got a fast or like do a rewind you know what i mean or like every summer every july with the nba most people just refreshing twitter for news and whatever so today I felt like like a return to normalcy in that regard you know some big nicks news some big Knicks rumors, or rumors the last couple of days as well. So, yeah, excited to get into it.
0: Yeah, 100%. Now, where were you when you found out that the Knicks were about to hire Tom Thibodeau?
1: I was taking a nap. So, we'll go like yeah. after that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw your text and I was like, okay, cool. You know, um, personally, I mean, I told you this offline, but uh, we both kind of came to grips with that. Like, you know, Tibbs would probably be the guy, you know, about a month or two back so since then it's been a lot of day by day just bargaining internally coming to grips with it or coming to terms with it um not that i was against Tibbs by any means um under the big debate in terms of knicks fans and Nick's twitter seemed to be kenny atkinson uh, versus Tibbs. um i like kenny but i prefer Tibbs. but you know to me it was like a coin flip almost you know so to most people though on Knicks twitter pardon you know it seemed like it was much more of a heated debate you know but yeah, I mean, I'm happy with the hire. What about you? How you feeling?
0: I'm happy with the hire. I think, I, I think it's more than just a coin flip, honestly, yeah, between Kenny Atkinson and Tom Thibodeau. I think there's so much, so many layers to it at this point, and people are considering different things. So many people are talking about his, his being Thib's tenure with the Timberwolves, and then we got Atkinson's tenure with the Nets and how that ended and the great job that he did there. But there's so many considerations to be made. Um, I guess we could figure out where to start. Um, is Tibbs the right guy at this point? We really the main guys that were in consideration, apart from Tibbs, were Atkinson and Jason Kidd. Apparently, now I told you about it. Oh, well, my man. theory, well, my theory for that was Jason Kidd. I don't believe was ever actually a front runner, and my theory is that he was used as a negotiation tactic to get Tom Thibodeau, because we saw news yesterday that. There were there were troubles with their uh, negotiations between Tibbs and the Knicks front office, particular particularly because the front office seemingly wanted to really choose his assistant coaches, which is unorthodox in the NBA. So there were there were there would be obvious issues that a head coach would take if he can't choose his own assistant. So there's that, and then probably the length of the deal, and sometimes you gotta you know put out a leak that so-and-so is also being considered yeah. to really put the pressure on the other head coach that you want, which in case was Tom Thibodeau. So that was used as a negotiation tactic, I believe. Yeah. And really – Chess move, other- really. Yeah. I agree and- with you.
1: you know I mean, it felt like a chess move, like leverage play. Like, okay, you want extra extra years? All right, Jason Kidd's a front runner now. You know what I mean, we like him more right. than you. So, yeah.
0: yeah, and the other reason is because um, – and also these two guys, Leon Rosen, uh, World Worldwide West – they're not gonna have leaks like that come up unless it's unless it's yeah. po- pointed. They had a reason for it, and the, the other reason I think is because worldwide is a close friend of Jason Kidd, and right now if there's anything that people know about Jason Kidd is that his profile in the NBA is not very high right now. Too many, not that many people think highly of Jason Kidd because of how poorly he did as a head coach with the Nets and the Bucks. He could, he really couldn't develop Giannis. He wasn't the guy to push Giannis I mean, over the edge yeah. to MVP level. That was, that was Budenholzer. So World Wide West, I think, did it as a favor Jason Kidd to let other people think that Jason Kidd might actually have a thing or two left to be a, a, a coach in the NBA. Right now he's assistant coach of the Lakers, and I haven't heard anything bad about him, but right now we know that with, with his tenures and his DUIs and various drama, some people some teams wife. might want to avoid hiring Eden's Jason wife.
1: Kidd. Eden's, Eden's uh, wife. Yeah. Oh, sorry, but yeah. He would be yeah. big beef. Yeah. I mean, not a CH. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not mm-hmm. not to laugh, mm-hmm. but, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, to take to take your point, it did seem like a chess move, it did seem like trying to like West trying to help elevate Kid's reputation again. Because um, let's be honest, you know, Kid is basically like he got Mark Jackson with Milwaukee. You know what I mean? He's uh, he was the coach that was there for a couple of years, held him back. Boom, you bring in an actual elite coach that can maximize talent, and then like you know they skyrocket in terms of trajectory. Yep. So I think Kid has that reputation that he needs to kind of, you know, rub off or just kind of like uh, evade or like, you know, distance himself from. Him. And I think just I don't know, like you to your point, it just, just felt like West trying to do some rehab work for his own homie, his uh, his his pal. Um, but then to that end, you know, part of me does think that um there may be some fans of kid genuinely in the organization, but i i kind of circle back to your point about like if there's leaks from this front office wes and leon the two two you know well-known power brokers CAA power brokers if leaks are coming out from that front office into the into the media i'm one to think you know similar to you that it, it was a purposeful leak you know what i mean like they did it on purpose for a reason and to me yesterday like that roller coaster of emotions of seeing the kid news like oh he's a front runner and um at that point you know i was cool with the tips or kenny and I, but I was also operating on the mentality of anybody, but kid, which, you know, formerly to round that comparison out, it used to be anybody, but Mark Jackson. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess kid has that going for him, but yeah, I mean, I'm satisfied with Tibbs. Um, we did have an episode a couple, a couple of weeks back early on in the quarantine, I think, or early on during the COVID, uh, COVID era. I like to call it now. Um, where we did have a little bit of a back and forth and, um, Thankfully, you seem, you seem to have all warmed up and came around on Tibbs. So, I know you had some stats if you wanted to bring up um, regarding, like, you know, Tibbs being the good hire, or I don't know if you want to lay that out right now for the viewers and listeners, but... Yeah, I
0: mean, back, backtracking a little bit, there's so many anti-Tom Thibodeau uh, New York Knicks fans. I think once it came down to really Kenny versus Tibbs, it was kind of half and half at this point. And this isn't a knock against Kenny Atkinson. You and I both would have been happy with the Kenny Atkinson hire. But the knocks against Tom Thibodeau were mainly, he couldn't develop talent in Minnesota. And he couldn't develop the, the other talents, not named Carl Anthony Townsend and Andrew Wiggins. But at this point, like, those guys aren't doing so well in other teams either. If they were players that successfully are playing successfully or well in other teams, I understand that point. But the elites of, isn't really a game changer. Gord Georgie Dang had some potential as a shot blocker and as, as a defensive presence. He kinda of, he he kinda of fell down. And then Chris Dunn, maybe. I mean he's still very young. What's we'll he like 21 years old? He might have potential. But the two main guys that are in question are two number one picks and Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, came in with a load of potential and they had they had they were coached before Thibodeau. They were coached after Thibodeau. At this point, they're not they haven't reached their potential and that can't only be placed on Tom Thibodeau as a head coach because they just didn't have the work ethic that that's necessary to be under a, a player under Tom Thibodeau, like a Jimmy Butler was like a Todd Gibson joke, you know, a Derek Rose where they, they just, they just lack the work ethic. And that's not mm-hmm. only from Tom Thibodeau. You hear, you hear that from Jimmy Butler. He left, he left so fast out of mini cause they were playing like some bitches that he went to Philly and I changed the scenery. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that like that's not it's not news. I will see what Steve Kerr can do with Andrew Wiggins and Golden State, but
1: yeah.
0: I, I you have to look at what he the work that he was able to do in Chicago. A sixty win team is yeah. not easy. And I actually looked into it since the year two thousand. That's that's as far back as I went. There are fourteen head coaches that were able to hit that sixty win mark in the last twenty years, and these guys, nice. guys include Phil Jackson, Papa, Popovich, Rick Carlisle, Mike D'Antoni. Doc Rivers, and then Eric Spolstra. And then some of the outer ones are – oh, and Steve Kerr, which which is an obvious one. Uh, Mike Brown, Doc Avery Johnson, Flip Saunders. These guys were able to do it once. Scott Brooks once. And yeah. Tom Thibodeau was able to do it once. But the second year after that 62-win season, they won 50 games. But people forget that was a lockout season where, where they won 50 games. Yeah, They won 50 and they lost 16. If yeah. you put in that same winning percentage, they were on pace for another sixty-two, their sixty-plus win season. Exactly. So, yeah. Like when you when you hear when you hear things like that, at this point, it you can't you can't wrong Tom Thibodeau because he has been one of the elite coaches of the last twenty years, and I understand some Knicks fans have some like they they're a little conservative to the fact that maybe we shouldn't go for the flashy names. And Tom Thibodeau, I can understand if you see him as a flashy name, but he has the numbers to up. <laughs> I back think himself he's anything up. but
1: flashy. You know what I mean? If you just go by Demeter, Tibbs is like the meat and potatoes of all meat and potatoes coaches. You know what I mean? He's hard nosed, grind. You know what I mean? Some would say he'll grind a player's bone to dust, but like, you know, that's an issue we'll get to. But if you got the work ethic, to your point, those are the guys that end up loving him. And yeah. let's just, just say flat out, I don't want to dance around it. Yo, Cat and Wiggins, especially, there's some fucking weenies, bro. Like, just like we, what was the SpongeBob joke? Like, Weenie Hut Junior, whatever. Yeah. As I say, <laughs> I guess Jimmy walking into the the Minnesota locker room back then, yeah. walking a Weenie Hut Junior, <laughs> Weenie Hut Junior, Super Weenie Hut Junior. Like I saw, I was like. Do you remember that big uh with the Jimmy, not to completely take us off the rails, but like, do you remember the big Jimmy Butler, like fallout where he came to practice and he like teamed up with the, with the second string to this whoop, whoop on cat. And ah, yo, that
0: was huge news.
1: That was... <laughs> he was just that was like, some talking, controversy. he was just like talking shit and cat and yeah. wigs were just taking it. And i, I apparently wigs was just like trying to play him wrong too. It was like, Jimmy calling him a bitch. and was just like, yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how they acted. I was like, yeah. oh, what is Tibbs supposed to do with that? You know? Yeah. So, But, yeah, I mean, I think that's, like, one down or one, like, negative against Tibbs that I would vehemently oppose just because if Cat is as, you know, as legendary as a talent as most would say he is, and I I agree, I'm a Cat fan, but we got to call a spade a spade. You know, he's god-awful defensively, and Tibbs was able to maximize his defense. His best defensive years came under Tibbs, but then, you know, he's free from Tibbs, right? He's going to flourish this season. They lost 17 in a row with a healthy cat, you know? Is that a franchise big man stat? You know, like uh-huh. I think the work ethic concerns were there with uh, with Tibbs. And just I think Kat is just like kind of a, a sensitive soul because one of the quotes he had about Tibbs that kind of proved to me that Jimmy was right was um, oh, sometimes coaches need to be mo- need to care about more than basketball. And I was like, OK, now I see why Kat was just terrified of Tibbs and Jimmy. Those guys live and breathe basketball. If you're not, yeah. if you don't have that shared mentality, high, well, of course you're gonna be alienated by the coach and by the guy he brings in to set the example. But I don't think we're gonna have that problem with RJ or Frank or Mitch. You know, they seem like the type of young kids that are just thrive of like on on hard work and on being like coach hard. You know, because to be honest, I feel like Fizz was way too lax. Mike Miller came in, I feel like he's kind of cut from that same cloth of Tibbs' personality wise. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that's why we did see some success under Mike and. That's one thing I need to kind of make clear, and you and I are both on the same page. We got to keep Mike Mike Miller and the staff any way possible. You know, 100%. Speaking of Mike's, uh,
0: I think that's next. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. That's next in line. We have to figure out who would be his assistant coaches. And I know two names in particular brought up one of which is Mike Miller, who was interim head coach, and yeah. he was on a 31 win pace team with, with the team that he adopted after Fizz was fired. Uh, yeah. Mike Miller's one who I would love to keep. I think all Knicks fans would agree. Um, and then I was just
1: about to say, speaking of Mike, Mike Woodson, the Mike other Woodson, yeah, been floated, yeah,
0: Mr. Potato Head is back <laughs> in, the, in the name with with the Knicks. Like, yeah, the best seasons that the best season the Knicks had, the Knicks have had in the last twenty years was under Mike Woodson, fifty-four win season. He knows he and he's the guy who brought out the the uh, the three point barrage that really came to NBA before Steph Curry really went into it. That, that Knicks team, the 12-13 season, where it was just three-point after three-point after three-point. Mike Dantoni yeah. should also yeah. get credit for that, yes. He um, should,
1: but like I, I don't think Woodsy should get too much credit for that season, just because he undid it all during the playoffs, because like, he didn't want to play that recipe of going small. He did that by necessity amari was out you know no big man so they moved mellow mm-hmm. up and then boom they discovered something that every nick fan at that point or every smart nick fan at that point realized you just play mellow at the fore and let's just cook you know what i yeah. mean yeah. like just put shooters around and put some vets around them and let's cook and you know what that's what happened when you have smart like moves being made we won 54 games you know what i mean and yeah woodson was at the head of that but i don't want to give him too much credit for like bringing a small ball to the forefront you know that's not mike woodson that's not mr potato head but, hey, I mean, he made the best of a situation. We didn't win the most games with him. So uh, part of me, not even part of me, like my whole Mike Woodson tenure, that whole thing is tainted just by what happened in the Indiana Playoff Series. I'll never, ever live that down. I'll never let him live that down. So I think if he comes to the staff, I would personally see it as like, okay, do something to redeem yourself, at least partially. If you could play a small role in just bringing us back to prominence, you know, you being on Tibbs' bench and then Tibbs brings us to, like, you know, that next level, then all right. Mike Woodson, you earned your keep and you saved your legacy to me. Because otherwise, you just missed a potato head and you lucked into a, a formula that worked and you decided to run away from it. Run, run away from it, you know? But. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I did. One interesting rumor in r- regards to coaching, and this is something that came out before today's obviously big bombshell news, but I saw there may have been a rumor that, you know, Atkinson was out, either got his third or second interview recently, and they may have been in talks with bringing him on as an a lead associate under tips. So boom. Let's get that done. You know, if we can make that happen, just build the staff personally I don't For staff. You know
0: I, I don't get me wrong, I would love to have Kenny Atkinson as the lead assistant. I don't think that's gonna happen. He's too good of a coach to not get a head coaching gig in the next you know season. He's i think I think it's recognized in the NBA that Kenny Atkinson can be a very good coach and coaching cycle Goes by so quick in the NBA. Their coaching changes left and right. I I want to say at least there. I feel like there's like at least three new coaches every season on a team. Kenny Atkinson could get head coaching job in no time, and unless unless the Knicks who who always have you know empty uh, checkbook or blank checkbook, maybe they can offer him more money. Then great. But I think uh, if he wants to be a head coach, he'll he'll find a job easily. This is Kenny Atkinson. Who there aren't that many names right now that are that are better than his, you know.
1: Yeah, I would push back on the easily though, but just because I kind of share the same feelings of uh, the posting and toasting podcast, just because they're much more negative on Kenny than I, than I am, but and I would disagree on that regard in terms of how harsh they are on Kenny, but they do make a good point. You know, like is he really that much of a hot commodity if he just came off of last season being a 40 and 42 season or whatever it was, just like right, or, right at 500? Uh-huh. And then, yeah, this season he. You know, impressively, I gotta give him credit. He did have them as like a top eight defensive group. Um, so that's with that roster, I feel like that was pretty impressive. But with that being said, have we heard any like hot Kenny Atkinson rumors aside from his connection to the Knicks, you know? So to me that leads me to believe that he may not be that hot commodity. And he may just do like a comparison that just hit me. It was just like a Tyron Lou David Blatt comparison or like that that partnership where they brought David Blatt in as a coach, but then lou was brought in as the lead associate coach and they gave him a really beefy salary like to the point where it actually raised eyebrows and people were just like oh he was brought in to like just in case blad is ass lou will take over and that's exactly what happened so if that's the thinking by bringing atkinson in as like a break in case of emergency like if he's like that you know fuck it if tibbs doesn't work out we could elevate Atkinson. I mean, that's the dream scenario for me. I acknowledge it might not be likely. He may just wait it out a year, see if he get a full job next year. So I see that, but I'm not one to think he's too much of a hot commodity, you know?
0: I mean, so the, once you mentioned that, one thing that popped into my head was, would it be a problem for Tom Thibodeau if his number one competitor was right below him? Or would Kenny Atkinson want to be right below his number one competitor? I don't see it happening, but if it were to happen, I don't know if they'll be able to vibe like that. You know what
1: I mean? I, I, I think they're both, at least for Kenny, I feel like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not in his head. I'm not in either of these gentlemen's heads, but it could just be like Kenny. He's just been coaching in Brooklyn for like the last three years. Maybe he doesn't want to leave the area like that. You know, um, we don't know his family situation. He may have young kids that are enrolled. So he could just be like, okay, I'll take a nice salary. He works with the Knicks. And if I help turn the Knicks around, help Tibbs turn the Knicks around, make that partnership work, that that actually reflects pretty good on Kenny's like resume, you know? So that could be his thinking. Obviously, I'm not in his head, but, you know, that's, to me, that could be the perspective. And I do see the point where, you know, obviously, if you're a head coach, you do want to pick your assistants. But all the reporting seems to say that Tibbs, that's something he just relented on right away. Like, you know what? You guys can pick the assistants. I understand that. And to me, that shows growth because what was the one thing about Tibbs that, like, you could probably say is a, a valid concern? He's very rigid in his mentalities and his mottos. You know what I mean? And to see him, like, not only say that, hey, I'm going to be more flexible flexible going forward. Like, you saw that in all the interviews and stuff. But to see him literally put it into action and say, okay, you know what, Leon, you could put you could help have say in who's in my coaching staff. And to me, that actually, I think it's a good idea just because you want your front office and your like, coaching staff to be, like, simpatico, you know, like working in tandem. So, yeah, I could see it blowing up. And we are the Knicks. And let's, let's just be real. Shit does tend to blow up, you know. Here,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's <laughs> um, not forget.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might be an understatement of the sen- century. You know, we're we're fans, but we're not delusional. You know, shit can yeah. blow up. I mean, but... yo, know,
0: I think the five year, I think the five year deal was a, was a sweetener to get him to mm. to, yeah. to go with it. That's a sweet deal, especially when head coaches most of the time don't hit that five year mark. Uh So he does get that sense of security that he'll get paid by being a coach and at that point, give the front office leverage and make the, make the choice on who works below him. Um, yeah. the good thing, let's, let's, let's dive into the part where a lot of anti Thibodeau Knicks fans want to say that he isn't capable of developing an excellent team.
1: Can, can I make or one maximize last it? Maximize it, it, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Just one last point on the contracting though. Um, it just hit me just now, like, the whole contract of them, like, quibbling over four versus five years, it, it brought back, like, PTSD from the Steve Kerr, like, negotiations. Because when Phil was negotiating with him, it le- looked like at that time, yo, know, we had Kerr locked up, and I think it was just, like, Kerr wanted five years. Phil was just, like, four, your first-time coach off of, like, um, you know, coming off the commentary table. And the rest is history. We saw what happened there, you know? So, to me, it was just like, oh, shit. If we lose Tibbs just because of, like, contract language and we ended with Jason Kidd, that <laughs> might have been a wrap for me, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, twenty plus years of being a fan, I would have been like, you know what? Sayonara. But luckily, that didn't happen. So, I do, I'm glad they hashed that out, you know, the five-year stuff. But, um, yeah, let's dig into just some of the stuff that I know caught your eye yeah, in terms I mean- of, like, what fans are saying.
0: Is Tibbs capable of maximizing a good team? You look at the Bulls. That's that's really all we can do. We can look at his past history. Look at the Bulls. They were yeah. a good team, and he maximize He literally maximized them to a sixty-win team for two yeah. for at least two seasons with Derrick Rose with Jimmy Butler. These guys weren't at the level that they were until Tibbs really reached. It. Now Derrick Rose, you can make an argument that he's raw talent and he was able to really maximize it, but developing wise. A lot of these guys were in their third, fourth season. They made the plays. I think they won 40 games. But then under Tibbs, they were able to hit that hit that 60 mark. He is capable of really maximizing a good team. The Timberwolves were not a good team, so he could not maximize that. And he, it, there has to be a huge consideration that he had two jobs at the same time. Two huge jobs. Head yeah, coach yeah. is an important job present is, is an important it job can't he be just
1: done. wasn't able to mesh it can't be done we, it can't be done the only person yeah. we've seen do that successfully is pop you know what i mean and that's because he had rc uh-huh. buford helping him along as gm like we just saw stan and gundy fail doing that same shit doc rivers like that he failed but thankfully he was able to keep his coaching job you know what i mean so he could fl- back go back to flourishing as a coach but yeah uh-huh. to your point yeah i mean that wasn't a good recipe and you know tibbs going in i heard like the rumors were that's what he was looking for he wanted that dual role. Uh, but credit to him to be realizing that's not for me. You know what I mean? Like, that's now, in, when he, in, in this current cycle of hiring, we didn't hear that, like, he was insisting on being GM under Leon. Mm-hmm. So to me, that shows growth as well. He got humbled. So, yeah. I mean, that's definitely a consideration a lot of people overlook. Or they don't that's put a good enough word. weight behind, you know? Humbled that's is a good, a good word. word. A couple. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Hum- humbled <laughs> I have a good work because... choice sometimes, you know? <laughs> uh yeah the best word
0: choice the best um under chime in on the comments if you
1: agree he he had that
0: he had that interview recently with uh espn and he was talking about what he learned and i know one of the main issues that people have with him is his minute distribution and he Mm, he mm -hmm. he brought that up he brought up some of his mistakes with the wolves and it's that's that's humbling yourself down. A guy like Tom Thibodeau, as as rigid as as hard of a guy as he is and as he portrays, it's I'm sure it's not an easy thing to do, but he's able to do it. Uh, I doubt, you know, obviously we can, we don't know the future. We don't know if it'll just all talk, but we have to go under, under the assumption that he means his word and he was able to grow. He was, he's able to grow from it. If Mike Miller or even Kenny Atkinson are his assistant coaches, they should be able to help with that minute distribution and being coach in New York is not the same being coached anywhere else in the NBA because of the factor of the, because of the factor of the fans. There's so many fans and so many like Nick's Twitter is a force. It truly, it, it is a force and we will, you know, push the front office and even the coaching staff to go a certain way. I, I want to say with Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank Nalikina, we, we, we booed Dennis... Well, not, well, a lot of the Knicks fans booed Dennis Smith Jr. but it was enough to get Frank more minutes. And there are... Yeah, there... They,
1: they booed the shit out of poor Dennis, bro. <laughs> not our best moment, but yeah. It yeah, wasn't we, our best we, moment,
0: but we have an influence as a point. And if there's a there, mm-hmm. if there are inconsistent minute distributions to the point where players are overdoing it, like the way Fizz was with RJ, Knicks Twitter and NBA and Knicks fans will make sure their voices are heard. And I think... It's not, this isn't the same mini, you know, this is in New York and if yeah. you do it, you, you know, you're going to, you're going to hear it from fans.
1: Yeah. And I yeah, think, I, I think to sure. an extent it does help. I see that for sure. But I'm also, I've been telling you this for years. I feel like a sign of a good organization is one that does the moves and makes the moves like regardless of what outside commentary fans and observers say, you know? So I feel like tips is that guy too. You know what I mean? He's uh, by all accounts, he's like a basketball junkie. He's, um you know, going back to your point about whether, um, you know, I definitely do see your point of view, obviously not to like move off of it too quick, but like I do see the point of like fan pressure in New York being different, but everything we've read about Tibbs or all the reporting says this is his dream job, bro. I mean, you know, he was a hot name in 2016 during that coaching cycle when he went to mini. Um, So I feel like, you know, we saw that like written at that time that like, yo, that was Tibbs wants to go to the Knicks, but you know, Phil was so dead set on, like, bringing the triangle in. So, brought in Hornacek and the rest is history. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... I don't know. I mean... I well, I, that, I mean, that's
0: that's just the idea of maximizing a, a good yeah. team. The other one is... And it was a pretty interesting point that Salon on Nick's Twitter made. It was that there's the idea that Leon Rose and worldwide West have so many connections that there is going to be a biasness towards the hires that they make. Tom Thibodeau was part of CAA or, you know, he was represented by CAA and some people believe that that played a big role in his hiring and that,
1: you know, it was was more
0: about their relationship and their connection versus the actual coaching aspect. So, is nepotism not nepotism technically? But does that does that have any importance or any you know? I mean,
1: that's our last episode. We were talking about like that was just the whole main selling point of Leon and West, right? Their connections. They're they're the connectors. They're the power brokers. So to me, it's like the same kind of comparison that you could make to just like real everyday life in the corporate world. Connections drive everything. You know what I mean? Like you gotta build your network some way somehow. So I think. Just the fact that Leon and West, they were CAA. So if like somebody's saying, Oh, they're only talking to CAA people, well well obviously, yeah, those dudes like had contact with so many dozens of people, powerful yeah. folks through CAA, via CAA Um, so I do think like it is a valid point that like, you know, we did take that, you know, turn down the road years past, just like getting in bed with CAA, James Dolan being cozy with them, and then it it ended up with like the Andrea Bargnani trade. Like I remember that being the peak of the CA um, mm-hmm. uh, time. And I remember Steve Mills being brought on because CAA like Mills and Black Mills connections. And we saw how that went, you know, thankfully, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead. Steve Mills is finally not part of his organization anymore. Came mm-hmm. like and her. Williams could do no wrong. You know what I mean? They were uh, Dolan's <laughs> guys. So I got to respect that. At least, you know, they're like cockroaches. So they'll, they'll survive. You know, um, but, yeah, I mean, to round, round that back, I think what's different about, like, I told you offline how it's so easy to just debunk that whole, like, oh, we need, need to be wary of the C A connection kind of higher. The difference is when Wes and Leon back then were, like, obviously, uh, like, you know, in contact with the Knicks and working with the Knicks and negotiate with the Knicks, they were, they had the best interests of their clients and CAA in mind. You know what I mean? But they're now they with the Knicks. They're not going to maximize the interest of the other party. Their best interests are now to serve the Knicks. You know what I mean? To maximize the Knicks, uh-huh. the Knicks connections, the Knicks like signings and all that. So I think that's just like a bogus point. I mean, that's right there is debunked. Like Leon is not going to go in just to like help his former agency. You know what I mean? Like w- what sense would that make? Because he obviously he had a cushy gig before. He was a powerful, one of the most powerful sports agents ever. And um, I think him seeing, like, what's the dude from the Lakers? I forgot his name. What's his name? Frank Vogel? You know? No, the the GM. What's his name? Oh, uh, Rob. Rob, Rob, uh, Rob yeah. Palenka. Yeah, Rob Palenka, Bob Myers. I think, obviously, Leon seeing those guys switch from agents to being in, in the front office, it worked pretty well so far, I'd say, you know. um, So, I think Leon him being much more older than those guys and more experienced and probably having more confidence in his connections or having bigger connections probably feels like he could make that seamless transition to front office. And I don't know, bro. It just seems like it's like the chicken little syndrome again, with just like talking about TA being the death of the Knicks or there are some people, it's just like a side of Knicks Twitter. I didn't think it was still alive, but I was just like <laughs> watching it. It's just like, these people are just like a hundred percent sure this is grim doom. Wes and Leon, like right away, they're gonna come in and he's gonna sink us like the Titanic. And, bro, like, I get it. Like, you you could be disappointed so many times as a fan, but you can't just let that shit make you a bitch. Like, you on there just tweeting like a bitch. Like, oh no, we just brought these two guys that are well known. Oh no, they're gonna go pursue their very powerful friends. That's why we brought them. (laughs) Like, yeah, it has
0: the, it works both ways, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and, and one way works exceptionally better than the other way and exactly are you gonna say the same thing when they bring in a free agent who was part of caa you know yeah. like at, the, I mean, at that point it's you know, it's about,
1: it just boils down to like are, are you mad that we brought in national born recruiters because i thought being a national recruiter was what made pat riley a legend right i mean that's yeah. his legacy in 2010 you know mm-hmm. i mean that's the that was the perception even though those that are in like that or in the know and been paying attention I know that d was a driving force behind that recruiting effort but pat riley got the credit you know like all people just lionized him because apparently he walked into a meeting with lebron just dumped all his rings on the table you know what i mean he's the recruiter of all yeah. recruiters but then you fast forward now when the Knicks try to take the take that recipe of like hey let's get master power brokers slash recruiters that work in the shadows that have like you know to bring that, that pat riley comparison like to, to that have that mafioso vibe in Let's yeah. put these people in charge and let them just like run the ship and you know, use their recruiting and shadowy like, you know, um techniques behind the scenes to like network and tamper and what have you. Like, yo, fuck it's about fucking time that we start playing this way as as an organization. You know what I mean? And it brings me to my next point in this rant. And I know you had it in your list just about like fans that are like bemoaning us uh Going or bypassing the traditional rebuild now, or whatever, with this Tibbs hiring. So, I know you had some thoughts, yeah. it if you wanted to take it from there.
0: Well, one of those points that people are make is that the draft, uh, the NBA draft in 2021, is supposed to be a a, a great class. I was about to say, wonderful. Uh, it's supposed to be a great class, <laughs> highlighted
1: <laughs> hey, highlight by fabulous a class, yeah. uh, fabulous class. Yeah.
0: Fabulous.
1: Sunshine <laughs> and roses. <laughs>
0: uh what's his name Cade Cunningham is high, is you know the highlight of that draft class mm-hmm. and some people are saying that with Tom Thibodeau you're not going to you're not going to maximize the team's potential but you're going to get a few extra wins that's going to take away from the 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 tanking and then lose out on these generational <laughs> draft players but we we tank since at this point 2015 remember 2017 yeah yeah you know so I don't it's, know, it's, bro. It, and the lottery chances have changed so much that at this point, even being the bottom team in the NBA doesn't guarantee you anything. Look at look at the Pelicans, what they were able to do uh, this past season. If anything, tanking doesn't work to the extent that it worked in the past. You know, so at this point, we need to we, we need a, we need to move the needle forward. We don't. It's not like we have a plethora of only veterans on the team. We have we actually have a plethora of young guys on the team with potential. And they're not in their first seasons at this point, but they're very young. They're in their third seasons, but they know how the NBA works. Frank is still there. Mitch Robinson, like third, fourth NBA season. RJ Barrett is gonna be in his second season, and although, you know, he could have had a better season with his efficiency, he still balls like he's, you know, already in his third season.
1: Yeah, these guys you know, are like... ready
0: to these guys are ready to put in the work. They're ready to hustle, you know. Yo, RJ it... Barrett embodies that mentality of being a dog even though any and you see it even if the rest of his team couldn't do it he will drive in and try to dunk on anybody and everybody and there is a certain mentality that comes with that and that's a new york kind of mentality and tom thibodeau yeah is gonna i will mean,
1: bring it out yeah and i don't me to interrupt just because like i wanted to say on that point about just like the whole Traditional rebuild, like, oh, we're gonna ruin our chances. Like, yo, just shut the fuck up. Like, I'm telling these fans, just shut the fuck up. Like, we can't just keep like, especially to your the ma- biggest point is just like the the flat lottery odds. We saw last lottery; it just proved the point. It just makes tanking too much more volatile. You know what I mean? And we've been trying to do the traditional thing, you know, and not that there's anything against it. I still believe draft picks is how you get your stars, but that doesn't mean you need to use the draft picks to get your stars. You could package them in trades to get said stars. You know what I mean? So it's not just like one way or the or the highway. But I got to quote Posting and Toasting Boys again, especially Shwini Poo. But it's just like there's no one way to do a rebuild anymore, especially with the flattened lotto odds. You can't just be like, oh, sitting on your, sitting on your ass, you know, twiddling your thumbs and say, okay, no, this is the year. We're going to rely on the lotto. We're going to win the lotto. You know what I mean? So you can't just keep doing that year after year to a point. And then I was just listening to the, the Posting and Toasting guys. Um, they had a whole four-way conversation with uh, JB and Macri, you know, the OGs of the Knicks Film School. So, JB had a great point. It was just look at all the contenders right now, and see how many of their best two, top two, three players are just drafted by them. You know what I mean? At in Milwaukee, you got Giannis, and then their second best player is Middleton, who they traded for. You know what I mean? Philly's probably the only one that you could really count as a contender that has the top two guys that they drafted. You know what I mean? Lakers, LeBron, AD. You know, we got we got Fran. Like, what was it free agents, A free agent signing, and then you got a trade. Um, and then the list goes on. So it's not like that whole that whole OKC model of like, yo, let's just keep drafting every year. And like, oh, we got one star. Next year, we're going to draft another star. That doesn't work for us. You know what I mean? Especially with the coaching um, and the coaching instability. So I think this, you know, to go to Ian Bagley saying like, we're going to have a veteran presence. That right there told me right away, we're not going to be relying on this being a tanking or like, yo, let's slash and burn. Um, do another like race to the bottom type of year and like let's bring in another young guy. No, it's going to be with the young guys we have now, they're a quote-unquote core and then we're going to bring in veterans that actually fit their skill sets so they can maximize their growth. You know what I mean? Right. So and I People, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: people, people want to say that it's going to take us back 15 years and we're going to be doing the same old Knicks thing, but the difference is that we're not hopefully prayers that we're not going to be trading future draft picks for all these talented you know, all these veteran players, we're not going to be doing an no Eddie Curry type deal. We're not going to be doing an no Andrea Barghiani type deal. That hopefully, prayers, knock on wood, all of that is a thing of the past. So that's going to be different, you know. But so, then
1: even still, there's got there's a careful balance you got to maintain with that because there are people that are like online that are just like when the Devin Booker rumors came out last week. I don't, I don't know if you saw that. New York Post said like keep it on Devin Booker for like a possible future trade down the line. Mm-hmm. I saw some people just having like, or about to like faint, like, oh. Um, Mitch and uh, R.J. are untouchable for Devin Booker. Like, I love R.J., but Devin Booker is nice right now, and he's still <laughs> young as hell. Like, yeah. he's two years younger than Kyle Kuzma, who like Lakers fan can't get off his dick. You know what I mean? Because apparently he says he's burgeoning with potential, even though he came into the fucking uh, the league with like almost halfway to getting his social security pension. So like, fuck <laughs> his old ass. All right, but I don't go back to my point about how young Devin Booker is. Like, you, you, we can't be like, oh no, all the young kids are untouchable. We can't just have a panic attack anytime Um, you know what I mean? Like a young player comes up in a rumor. Or or, or we can't have a panic attack anytime the Knicks are connected to a young star in his prime or about to hit his prime and worry about, oh, we can't give up the farm. Because I think that's just Knicks fan PTSD to, like, to bring up your Eddie Curry point and uh, et, cetera, et cetera, et cetera, trades like that. We got to get past that. You can't it's like you can't go into a, a gambling, you can't go to Atlantic City and gamble scared. Like, you know what I mean? You can't be a bitch if you're trying to win big. You know what I mean? Like, just because, like, getting veterans in, trading for, like, stars and all stars hasn't worked in the past does not mean that's an unsuccessful or, like, a bad route. We just saw the Lakers do it, did we not? You know what I mean? Like, JB of a uh, formerly of Knicks the Film School and Daily Knicks, he had a tweet the other day saying, like, if the Knicks fans had their way, you know, the, if the Knicks fans were Lakers fans and they had their way, the Lakers right now would be Brandon Ingram, Lonzo, yada, 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 all them young kids and people would be pissed. Right. But then if we, if we were in the same situation, would we want LeBron and AD, you know, so mm-hmm. I think, you know, obviously I'm, I'm down for being smart with draft picks, but it's also like, yo, know, when like a guy like Devon Booker is there, or like, if let's say Joel Embiid becomes available, then yeah, we got to play with the possibility of throwing our young kids and being like, yo, throw them in a the deal and get them out of here for whoever it may be. But I don't know. I think just like, there's not one way to rebuild. And I think it's just, it's, it's time to just pivot to a smart way of doing things in terms of, you can't just run on the draft. You got to be able to like supplement your young kids that we have right now with the proper veterans for them to properly grow. Cause if you just have a bunch of like 18 and 19 year olds on a team, like who's going to show them the ropes. You know what I mean? Like who's going to like, help them out. Like, that's why I wasn't even mad that there were rumors of us bringing Lance Thomas back or whatever the fuck. Cause that's a good veteran to have that knows like how to be a good locker room presence. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just feel like this is people whining the wine. Like they want the pure unsullied rebuild. You know what I mean? That's like, it's like going into just like walking into life and expecting like a fairytale ending to your life. You know what I mean? No, you gotta be able to adjust and play, you know, play the odds. So if like, if an opportunity comes up where a star is available, God, damn right, I want Leon and West to be on the phone to make sure we can get that star. You know what I mean? Like Devin Booker or the Zach Levine rumor or Zach Levine rumor that came out like two days ago or a day ago. Like
0: Now, Zach Levine, let's, because that came out yesterday, we might as well cover it right now. I mean, how much are you willing to give up for Zach Levine? Are you willing to give up RJ since they play the same position?
1: No, not at all. I would actually. Okay, cool. The whole yeah, reason I mean, for either. me to keep Levine is just for them. I think he's just a perfect RJ compliment. Not perfect, but I feel like you want shooting run RJ. You want RJ to be able to handle the ball and like work on his point guard skills. You'll get him like a shooter on the wing. And Levine, say what you will about his like defensive missteps, or just like not even giving a fuck about defense. Period. Like let's just call it spade a spade again. But. That boy can shoot. That boy can score. I think, like, I'm not even looking at his numbers right now, but was he, like, top five or top ten in scoring last year? Or Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. He was know. lighting it up, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I'm like, yo, get him in here. Like, put put RJ, because RJ's a big – yo, he's 19, but he's still – he built, like, a grown man. You know what I mean? You can mm-hmm. put Levine at two, RJ at three, Frank at the one. You know what I mean? So, like, he could cover, uh, like, Levine's defensive weaknesses. You know what I mean? He could guard whichever's the best, like, playmaker or guard on the other team. And we saw RJ, he's capable defensively as well. I like that fit. Um, As far as how much I'd give, maybe one or both of those Dallas picks with Knox. You
0: know what I
1: mean? Because you got to be – keep in mind now, the calculus has changed with those Dallas picks. Luka is here now. You know what I mean? Those picks could be like number 28, and then like the next year could be number 30. Like I think, I think Luca is a monster. So we gotta, that's gotta be entered into the calculus when weighing our assets. Because I don't think Dallas, those Dallas picks are as um, as uh, as fruitful or as uh, as uh, you know salivating as uh, as offers can be now. You know what I mean? But yeah, I don't
0: know if I would ex and I I don't know if I would execute on a Zach Levine trade up right now just because Lamelo Ball seems to be in play. I think. Hopefully, we're gonna do what it takes to get Lamelo. At that point, he'll play the one. Let Frank play the two. Let RJ play the three, and then you know four. And I don't five. think that's
1: gonna happen, bro. I think just the fact that we're gonna have a veteran presence means that like we're not gonna have three young guards starting at once. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. think it's a smart move. I think that's why like I thought till Frank starting, just because to me bringing in Levine doesn't discount Lamelo because you could play Lamelo off the bench. He could be the combo guard that could play either either one or the two. So if you go with Frank, Levine, RJ as your as one, two, and three, LaMelo like a super sub off the bench. You know what I mean? I think that could work, you know? But also, I mean, I don't know how that plays into the whole CP3 rumors that we were we were seeing. You know, I'm thinking going back to the leaks of a couple of weeks back, you know, Gallo and CP3 are on the way to, to the Knicks, you know? So I don't see how the Levine trade comes into play, but I'm saying I wouldn't mind it, you know, if we went after him.
0: I, I mean, I he would be crazy at MSG. Are you kidding? Every every play would be a highlight reel play for MSG, and it'll be from a Knicks guy too, not from a fucking opposing <laughs> <the> team <laughs> guy. That's, that's, it'll be nice to have a, a highlight reel of our own at our own. Yeah, game. I'm saying
1: like we see like Levine 360 dunks as we're down by 28. It'd be beautiful. You know what I mean? Love, I
0: love
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, love it. Just eat it up. <laughs> uh, um, I'll be like Levine to Mitch Alleyoop. Bang, Nick's down by fifteen <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean, would you give up uh would you give up Frank for Levine? since we're on the Levine topic,
0: it depends on the rest of the package i'm not I'm not quick to say no for it
1: what Frank the two Dallas picks and um a matching salary for Levine what do you think yeah, you do it okay. yeah. All right, all right. Just when, you to see a, when, you hit.
0: when you have a top ten scoring kind of guy who is able to shoot the three, and is able to score at will, and is only going to get better, all star potential. I don't think he he mm-hmm. was he wasn't an all star, right, this past season.
1: No, but I think he campaigned. I mean, I wasn't going to say he was an all star just because Chicago was so bad. You know what I mean? He's, yeah, but,
0: but he has that he has that potential under Tom Thibodeau. Who knows? He might be able to, you know, really put it together. I don't think, Le- was Levine there when? Yeah, when I mean, that Tom was going oh, no, to be, be my next him.
1: point. No, that was going to be my next point. He liked him. Yeah, 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 Levine bigged up Tibbs. He gave him mad mm-hmm. praise. So I think that's like, put two and two together. If we do pursue Levine, Levine might come back here and really flourish under a coach that he seemed to have he, respected. And he
0: hates and, Jim Boylan.
1: Yeah, and Tibbs. If, like, he does what his reputation, you know, says he should do, you know, build a defense that can compensate for weak defenders on your team. You put Levine into that recipe, you know, like Derrick Rose wasn't the, the best of defenders when he won MVP, you know? You have a, uh, if, if Levine, or not Levine, if Tibbs could get Mitch to be that defensive anchor, help him morph into that guy that Noah was for a couple, a good couple of years in Chicago, then when you have that kind of presence, it's similar to how Rudy Gobert, anytime he steps on the floor for the Utah Jazz, they're an elite defense. Anytime he steps on the court, you know what I mean? I think Mitch could have that kind of potential under Tibbs. So if that's the case, then Hell yeah, put Levine in there, even if he defends like a, a beach ball, like tied to some cinder blocks. That don't mean anything, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, it, it'll work just because, like, you know, Tibbs will put her in a defensive system that will offset that weakness, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's my, my two cents,
0: you know? yeah, yeah, might be a, a good combination, honestly. Yeah, yeah. How many more? I don't even know how many more years Levine has on his contract, but if he were a free agent soon. Which I don't think he is. I think he recently signed with which guy. I think got an extension. I could be wrong.
1: I think he has a player option that can make him a free agent in 2022. Like, the yeah. year after Giannis is a free agent. Just because, random note, I played so much 2K NBA franchise that I know Levine can be a free agent in 2022. Motherfucker always signs with the Bucks. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Like, Giannis leaves the summer before and Levine goes. So I don't know what the hell that, what the hell that means. But, um, I hope that's not a fucking, uh, Harbinger of things to come. Because Giannis always go to Miami in, in 2K for me. I don't know about you, if you, if you play franchise. No, nah, I haven't played in a while. <laughs> yeah. All right, um,
0: expectations for next season. Let's say the Knicks get some bets that fit under Tom Thibodeau's mindset. I, I, I don't want to see Derrick Rose come back. I don't want to see Joe Noah come back. I, I don't want to see his old Chicago Bulls players come back. That would be really frustrating to see. My
1: gosh. I think he was a good locker room presence by all accounts. Yeah,
0: I mean with the exclusion of Taj just because I you know he was pretty he was decent last as long as he doesn't get minutes and he doesn't start over Mitch again I'm cool with it Um, I bring up Taj
1: just because like when Jimmy was on the Timberwolves their defense was elite anytime Jimmy and Taj were on the court together it didn't matter who the other three people was so I think Taj even if he's not to that level no more we got to have that veteran there that could show the young kids the ropes so like all right, this is how the defense is supposed to be played so listen to me don't be like Kat you know what I mean Mm-hmm. I want I want Tosh to make sure Mitch never ends up like Cat, like a goofy, like softball on defense. You know what I mean? But yeah, I just want to interject about that. You know? Yeah,
0: I mean, wh- what kind of winning numbers can we get with? Let's say he get he gets Mike Miller, he gets Mike Woodson, Tom Thibodeau's head coach with his veteran players who, let's say, they're hard nosed, but these guys can score like you know ten to twelve points a game type shit. Um, decent decent fence. I mean, and, and we still have RJ, we still have Mitch, we still have Frank. Let's say Knox is, I mean, we have to worry about Knox right now.
1: I mean, it's tough to really like do a win projection, but mm-hmm. I do definitely feel like, you know, words word been coming out even before Tibbs got hired that, yo, this is not going to be like a pure rebuild year. Like the Knicks are going in to compete this year, like go for a competitive, like, which which I fuck with at this point. You know, we gave the patient rebuild a shot. Um, you and I personally, I feel like a trusted Scott Perry when he came in. And that obviously didn't work out, so he's his power has been neutered. So fuck it, let's. Uh, the season is obviously about a, more, a win now mentality. Um, shit, if we're scratching and long for the eighth or seventh seed, to me that's a. I think that could be realistic, but yeah, again, it's tough to say before we even know who's on the roster because uh, it's, it's just. It's I, all- I,
0: I'm sure as as guys who are hiring Thibodeau, they have an idea in mind. I'm sure it's at least eighth seed, which. In the East will probably be at least like thirty-seven wins.
1: <laughs> Your East is so trash. We are which isn't which, which <laughs> yeah which shouldn't be hard
0: because with Miller he he put these guys, a trash team on a thirty-one pace season. So maybe they yep. they maybe they're saying you gotta hit forty or you gotta break even get that get forty-one.
1: Yeah, I mean, in our little back and forth about Tibbs and Miller, I remember I was just like, yo, if Miller can like bring uh, bring our team to maximize their defensive potential then why not a guy like Tibbs who's also who's a much more like who has a much larger reputation uh of a as a defensive mastermind you know what I mean so like I think that's why you gotta bring in bring him in here because defensively I feel like he's gonna instill that culture and um my biggest point point is I don't think he had the guys or the guys the right mind or the right fit in terms of culture wise that jive with 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 him in uh Minnesota and that's an indictment on him as a president because he did juggle both jobs. But um, I just think it was funny that, like, people do bring up Minnesota against him. But all the players that, like, weren't fucking with, like, Tibbs were just our known lazy defenders. Obviously, Cap, uh-huh. but underrated name is Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague apparently was not a fan of Tibbs. And that boy has never played defense in his entire life. Like, the Atlanta Hawks <laughs> season, it was just, like, a... It was him, and like he was the worst li- defender in the lineup that included Kyle Corver. I remember that much. <laughs> <When they're> in- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, like, that's Jeff Teague for you. So, of course, he's gonna be like, Ew, no, I don't want to play for Tibbs. He- he's gonna make me try on defense. Ew, no, like, fuck Jeff Teague. You know what I mean, like, that's my pis- official stance. Like, I think, um, yeah, definitely feel like playoffs is realistic. I mean, lower expected. seed playoffs expected yeah like uh-huh. it's it's a realistic expectation let's say that i don't i'm not predicting playoffs i just think um if we're going through with exactly what's been reported then it's a realistic expectation and if you're a knicks fan and you're not expecting playoffs with just what all that's been leaked about this regime's agenda then you know you you gotta like shape up and ship up you know what i mean like we can't just go into another season of like just hope that like oh you know Let's get another top five pick to add to the last five top five picks. You know what I mean? Like, and, and then these same fans—I gotta bring this up. I'm going on a tangent again, but these same fans that are pining for draft picks end up turning on them within like a season or two, anyway. You know what I mean? Like, no matter who we draft, it feels like I could be just taking—I could just be taking crazy pills, but it feels like whoever we draft, they—the fan base turns on them. The majority of them, or at least half of them, just turns on them within a year or two. Mm -hmm. we know like in our last recording we know jb of the daily knicks even brought up a point that like it takes on average 4.5 years for a player to become an all-star for the first time but we got people to this day that'll swear frank is a scrub even though those that have a keen eye will see he's been making those incremental steps towards progress so i don't know this is it let's let's be fair our our motto is to educate the masses we put that there for a reason there's a lot of dummies like we gotta hold ourselves yeah. accountable. Uh.
0: <laughs> not not to not to you know get it wrong. If we do have a trash team, we're okay. You know, if if it reaches a point where we know we're not gonna make the playoffs, we're we're okay with losing the rest of the season. Just to get that top. Yeah. yeah. Tanking tanking is a necessity, but it shouldn't be a necessity. What month is it? July? Like four months before the season starts. Uh, like you shouldn't want to do that. And if you if you're unhappy with Tibbs because you don't think he is a development coach, you have to look at the Chicago Bulls and how they were able to develop from a borderline playoff team to – I think they were in the playoffs that last season actually. But um, to meety with players with high potential like Rose Butler, Taj, and Noah, to exceptional players an MVP, MVP caliber players, but with Butler and even to a point Noah, who had a season where I think he was playing at an MVP level for a good number of months. He was doing like 10 assists a game as a center, and you got to look back at Minnesota. Yes, we're not saying that it's not entirely Tiz's fault, that the the players were were so bad and the defensive rating was so bad, but it needs to be considered that he was juggling two jobs at the same time, and not just any two jobs, two of the biggest jobs that a franchise has, and he had Lazy ass players on his team that just weren't buying Yo. into buying into his system, and I think the Knicks have players. Maybe you know, with the exception of a few guys, our main core are. I don't. They don't strike me as people who who are lazy. You know, yeah, and they, I right see right them here. as players I mean, who will buy into the system, and you need that guy who's young who will buy into the system, and I think Frank and R.J. will be those guys.
1: For sure, for sure, yeah. Kenny Love Atkinson, yeah.
0: And Kenny Atkinson, I would have loved. I would love to have him on. To him. I would be so happy if he decides to be a lead associate. But it's it's not black and white that Kenny Atkinson is better than than Tom Thibodeau. He had one great season. He had a pretty good season last with with the, with the
1: how, best. how of a player development coach. I'll go with Kenny Atkinson that much. He always had that rep. I feel like just because he was that guy when he worked for us under mm-hmm. D'Antoni. He was that guy when he worked at Atlanta under uh, Budenholzer, and Budenholzer always. Uh, Bigs up Kenny Atkinson So it's not like you know he's chopped liver But I do think For me preference wise When I said it was like a coin flip earlier Between Tibbs and Kenny Atkinson It wasn't a coin flip in terms of that coaching Ability because to me Ability and reputation wise I feel like Tibbs Just um has a much higher Reputation in that regard Um or to me Perception wise he just you know Held in high regard you know But um it was a coin flip just because I, I wouldn't be mad if we brought Atkinson in, you know. So, I mean, mm-hmm. if we're in an alternate reality where Atkinson is our coach. You know, it's same principle applies, you know. If anything, I'm, I'd be expecting more from our young players just because we saw At- Atkinson fresh off of, like, taking a ragtag bunch of Nets players um, and developing them. Spencer Dinwiddie off the scrap heap became, like, what he is now, you know, a viable playmaker and player. Um, D'Andre Russell Russell's a little overrated, but he did have his best year amongst under Atkinson, you know. So I think in that regard, like, hey, it's not like you know Atkinson was a scrub and Tibbs is the slam dunk choice, but yeah, I mean, I feel like we exhausted this uh, coaching topic, so I kind of didn't want to bring up um funny headline. You see the Lou Williams shit. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, uh the timeline or the time of events that I saw is like peak clarity <laughs> to me just because oh it, a news came out oh Lou leaves the bubble for a family emergency. Okay, cool, respect, you know, like yo, go take care of business. Motherfucker, this this rapper or entertainer or musician <laughs> named uh Jack Harlow. I didn't know who he was, but he posted like an Intspop popping the uh <laughs> I don't even know what reference he's, is that a, it's
0: a song. You didn't hear the song was popping?
1: No, I guess it's, I'm too too washed for all that.
0: It's been like it's been like top three for at least some months.
1: Alright, but I mean I'm looking at Jack Harlow right now. He's, he's very he's pasty white, so you know I don't very, feel bad when I know very, that. Yes. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, he posted an Instagram story. Him I think and, he's from uh, Kentucky you
0: know, too. He's a, I think he's from he's like a Kentucky white boy rapper.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah that's you might as well just tell me don't listen to his man's music when he said that so okay <laughs> much obliged um but yeah he posted an instagram story story of him and lou will in a limo or some shit or not even a limo it was just like i think they were at a club they bet they had mask on jack carl like um somewhere nobody else can guess or whatever as a caption like nobody can guess where they are then a dude up on twitter tweeted it out it got like 5k retweets like yo didn't Lou will didn't lu just leave for a family emergency or some shit like that like he's at he's at the club right now and then they and then the dude deleted the, the post and he yeah. tweeted that hey oh that was just an old picture and i was just um you know just uh, saw the news about Lou will so i was just thinking about him but then he deleted that tweet and then Lou just came out today lu will's like yeah you know i went to magic city the strip club <laughs> 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 and he came out and denied it first, you know what I mean? Because I saw some funny. people, were, like, yeah. kind of scold, like, oh, how dare you pick on Lou Will? His, his dad died or something like that, or his mentor died, which obviously, rest in peace, condolences. But you yeah. but was at the strip club, not even, like, an hour after you left the bubble. <laughs> he, he, he <laughs> straight straight, ACL, yeah, he went straight <laughs> in, man. And then I saw somebody make the funniest point that, like, was so subtle. You can't even believe it was an old picture, because in the picture, Lou is wearing an NBA, like, regulated mask. Like a COVID mask, <laughs> like they like they just made them shit for the bubble right now. It wasn't the to go, <laughs> bro. The NBA is some funny shit. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? As as just as, dis- as much as I disagree with like them coming back, you know, it's funny. <laughs> That's just um, not funny. Mad funny. So damn, Lil will, I mean, you could. I saw people making a point like you know the bubble might just fail just because these are these are rich dudes you're putting in a bubble and expecting them to just like cut off all their Instagram hoes and thotties, You know what I mean? So I could see why so many people were just like, oh I gotta I got I gotta cousin twice removed that just has a, a hangnail, I gotta go see him. And they go see their favorite Instagram thotties. So <laughs> I don't I don't blame them. I'm just saying like the NBA should have considered that, you know, and just flew. <laughs> Flew their old batch of like Instagram shorts. You know what I mean? Keep them in the bubble too. Might <laughs> be highly illegal though. Might be considered trafficking. Yeah, no, they could get arrested for that.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: What are the Florida prostitution laws? We we might need to look into that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not trying to throw out Adam Silver's or throw out ideas for Adam Silver. I'm just saying. They don't have it. any
0: foreign entertainment over there though, right? But apart from like TV and like 2K or COD. They don't really have anything over there. They're expected to be there for how many months? Like two?
1: Two, two months. I did see um, it was in, in construction, but I don't know if they finish it, but like they're building a barber, barber shop. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just like yeah. on campus. So,
0: yeah, it looked pretty bad. Hey,
1: yeah, that was pretty cool. So, But then part of me thinks it's like, I do like a dude like LeBron, like a billionaire Braun. He probably been had his team like sneak into his room anyway. And then nobody who's going to stop Bron? You think Adam Silver is going to be like, no, stop it. Like you gonna tell LeBron to stop like abusing his like powers? Like I don't think so. Yeah. I like, get people were making so many jokes because like Zion had to leave the bubble, but then the NBA suddenly started changing their rules about like yeah. obligations to reenter. Yo, su-
0: suddenly there's like daily corona tests. Like I, I had no idea.
1: Yeah, all I to get mean. Zion back in the bubble. I mean, yeah, I right. dig it, Adam Silver. You got dollar signs in your eyes and shit. I mean, do what you got to do. Get Zion back in. That's what people are trying to see, right? So. Have you been watching any of these scrimmages, or?
0: Oh, I, I've seen some yeah. highlights. I uh, watched a little bit, but it it looks awkward as fuck. And uh, yeah,
1: I'm just waiting for that like, game to start. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Uh, so the highlights look good, but you know, I it seems on un- the whole thing seems unnecessary. And God forbid <laughs> one of these players catch it, and then you know, what are they gonna do then?
1: I don't know, but it's just gonna be very awkward when like. Jock Rivers looks to his bench in the heat of, in like the heat of like Game Seven or the Western Conference Finals or whatever equivalents, and he don't see anybody. Cause like you see like seven Clippers role players had to leave the bubble. You know what I mean? Like he just, I don't know. He looks down the sideline when he's like looking to sub somebody in. He's looking for Kawhi. He's looking for Lou. He's, <laughs> he's looking, looking for, for Lou. <laughs> looking for Paul Nobody's there. He's gotta fucking bring in like some G League players. Like I don't know, Marshall Plumley. Remember the former Westchester Knicks alum? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big minutes in the finals against Giannis.
0: Yo, That's he'll jog nice straight to Orlando fun. from wherever the fuck he is.
1: Yo. <laughs> Not even. You, you, know, you remember
0: that, right? For the Knicks, he he jogged from, like, his first game. He got called for the Knicks, really? and he had to jog his way. Yeah, there was mad traffic. He got out of his cab and jogged, like, 20 blocks or some shit.
1: Damn.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's like, three years ago.
1: Respect. Yeah, respect. Yeah. I hope he's doing well, then. Marshall Plumley, all the Plumleys, it yeah, it's like a whole gaggle of Plumleys. Yeah, I feel like it's a new one every two years, so we'll see. <laughs> Something to look forward to post COVID, yeah. which whichever Plumley comes in to the league. Um, yeah, I mean,
0: I think that I, I think that about wraps this up, right? First first live stream at Sportscaster, pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it was Thanks a beefy one, listeners. big news, for sure, yeah. for sure. Viewers, you mean uh, listeners are on the way once we uh, upload mm-hmm. this bad boy. So um mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it was fun, bro. Um any any closing remarks, anything you wanna you wanna say? Shout out.
0: I mean, you know, shout out to Sportscaster. This is this is pretty this is pretty fire that they set it all up for us. Uh this live stream is probably gonna get uploaded to YouTube. Uh in the meantime, to everyone listening, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nickish Show. It's on the comments. And subscribe on Spotify, YouTube, um, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And just let us know what you think of this Tom Thibodeau hiring. They're finalizing the contract. We still don't know the assistant coaches are going to be. But for here at Nick's show, we think that this is a pretty valid move. We see good things coming about this. But there's so many factors that still need to be figured out. You know, who are the players that are going to join? Who else are they going to hire, et cetera? But for now, this looks like a, a point in the right direction.
1: Yeah, um, Thibodeau. I mean, to you know, our line, lang- if you those are the, that are looking at our stream, we it says New York Knicks are finalizing contract with new head coach Tom Thibodeau. So I feel like you know, once they make it official and they do the whole press press conference, press release, I think that seems like a good time for Nickish to hop back on Sportscaster and uh give some thoughts, you know. So, um, uh, thanks for those that did join us, you know. Um, hopefully, the new Tibbs era or the Tibbs era in New York. Is a, is a fairy tale ending just because it would be so dope, bro. He was, he was part of the 90s Knicks, those staffs. So for him to come in and be the guy that actually turns us around. Um, you know, me personally, I was a Thibodeau stan like a decade ago in 2010, 2011, that whole era, the Chicago era. So like for him to be finally on the Knicks. And um, I, yeah, you know, as we discussed ad nauseum in this podcast, he did have his hiccups recently. But if, uh, if he comes in and he's on his best behavior and he really does truly adjust. Yo, I'm just hoping and praying, bro. tibbs mm-hmm. it would be so dope, bro. Like, uh, like um a protege of Jeff Van Gundy and Pat Riley coming in and bringing us back and resurrecting this franchise. What better way? You know what I mean? What better way for it to happen? So, yeah, good vibes all around. Let's see, let's see what happens, and uh, let's see if uh, there's even basketball to be played after COVID's uh, through with the the U.S. You know what I mean? That, that's my instruction to our listeners and yeah. viewers to wear your fucking masks don't be please. please 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 please
0: all right until next time uh, again subscribe follow us and thank you for listening until next time peace out
1: peace.